0: and welcome to Chill Pill. My name is Emma Ives and I am the creator slash host of this fabulous podcast. I created this podcast since I love all things medicine. I love reading about it. I love talking about it and my roommates were getting kind of sick and tired of hearing about it. I'm not a medical professional so I'll never give any advice on the medical stuff. Please seek out your primary care physician for advice. I will link all my sources in the description as well as mention them throughout the podcast. Hello everybody, long time no see. So, in my last episode, I talked a little bit about what my goals were when I created this podcast, which, if you don't remember, was to just kick around ideas with my fellow peers in the health sciences, as well as to inspire further dialogue about the field of pharmacy. When I started exploring this field, I believed that pharmacists only wore white lab coats and worked behind a lab bench. But, after much research and internship and adding a pharmacy minor, I saw the many different ways pharmacists were involved in public health, industry, and the general community. I also found that when I told people I was pursuing a PharmD, they thought I was choosing to work at a community pharmacy instead of working in a non-traditional field. And I began to think that if I had such a narrow vision of what a pharmacist was, then the general public did as well. So, To spread awareness for what pharmacists do, as well as show how diverse this field is, here is Emma's abridged Guide for Traditional and Non-Traditional Pharmacy. First, a little history lesson. And by that I mean a very short history lesson, as the field of pharmacy is very old and has been added to from people all over the globe. I could probably spend an episode on medicinal practices from each continent. Before we had pharmacies and pharmacists, we had apothecaries and local herbalists who had knowledge of medicinal and healing practices. We have records from Mesopotamia and Egypt of plants, as well as formulas and instructions on how to make medicines. In ancient Egypt, for example, there is an 1100-page document called the Ebers Papyrus from 1550 BC of about 800 prescriptions, mostly from plants. Later, the Greek physician Dioscorides wrote De Materia Medica in 60-78 CE, a five-volume book that was built upon by Middle Eastern scientists during the Islamic Golden Age. In it, he describes 600 plants and their therapeutic uses. The word pharmacology later replaced the word Materia Medica as the word for the body of knowledge of the healing properties of any substance. In Asia, the earliest writings on pharmacology are traced back to a tomb sealed in 168 BCE. In it was a manuscript titled Recipes for 52 Ailments. We then move into the Middle Ages, where Europe sadly suffered in the medical knowledge department due to the loss of many Greek medical texts. However, the Middle East made several advancements in the realm of pharmacology. The first pharmacy was established in Baghdad in 754. One of the most notable, and there were a lot of notable contributions from Middle Eastern scholars and physicians, were the contributions of Al razi Over the course of his lifetime, he wrote several books of multiple volumes about medical treatments improving on the works of Galen. Some of his volumes went on to be published in Europe. He also wrote a book on medical healing for the general population, so they could have access to treatment when doctors weren't available. To me, he sounds like one of the first science communicators. The Industrial Revolution in the 1800s saw increased technological sophistication in manufacturing of various goods. Pharmacy was no exception. What originally started out as dye manufacturing eventually grew into the pharmaceutical industry. In fact, a majority of pharmaceutical companies today started out as either dye factories or as local apothecaries that grew with the onset of the Industrial Revolution. Due to the industrial revolution, you get chloroform as an anesthetic in 1847, the synthesis of phenothiazines in 1876, which paved the way for chloropromazine to be the first antipsychotic in 1950. You also get the first modern synthetic, over-the-counter, mass-market medicine in the form of aspirin in 1915, which I wrote an entire episode about, and penicillin as the first antibiotic in 1928, which, as you all know, is my favorite antibiotic to talk about. Becoming a practicing pharmacist in the United States takes about four years of professional school to earn a PharmD. Some students then opt to complete a one- to two-year residency program, similar to what medical students have to go through. Or they complete a fellowship, which prepares them to work in industry or research settings. First, candidates for a PharmD must attend an accredited university program. While in school, candidates must complete a number of internship hours to gain experience in the field and further expose them to different specializations. Upon graduating, they must sit for the North American Pharmacist Licensure Examination, the NAPLEX, and pass a multi-state pharmacy jurisprudence exam for the region they wish to practice. When a candidate completes all the requirements, what do they do exactly? The definition of a pharmacist is someone who is a medication expert. In a traditional sense, they prepare and dispense prescriptions, ensure medicines and doses are correct, prevent harmful drug interactions, and counsel patients on safe drug practices. However, as the role of a pharmacist has expanded, so has the part they play in a patient's drug-taking experience. They work in a variety of settings and provide many different kinds of services. For example, they are allowed to vaccinate depending on the policy of the state, as well as invent soft drinks. Fun fact, Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper, and Vernon's Ginger Ale were all created in a two-year period in the 1880s by three different pharmacists. When pharmacists aren't inventing ginger ale, they work in many other areas of public health. Besides the obvious community and hospital pharmacy, they can specialize in specific areas. The Board of Pharmacy Specialties certifies 14, including ambulatory care pharmacy, cardiology pharmacy, compound sterile preparations pharmacy, critical care pharmacy, emergency medicine pharmacy, geriatric pharmacy, infectious disease pharmacy. Nuclear Pharmacy, Nutrition Support Pharmacy, Oncology Pharmacy, Pediatric Pharmacy, Pharmacotherapy, Psychiatric Pharmacy, and Solid Organ Transplantation Pharmacy. Wow, that's a lot. These specializations are additional certifications pharmacists can go through if they so choose. Other areas in which pharmacists play a major role is the pharmaceutical industry. They are involved in all areas, including research and drug discovery and development. They are also a part of preclinical and clinical trials, monitoring patients for adverse reactions and determining appropriate dosing information. Post-clinical studies, they can be a part of pharmacovigilance and monitor the general population for adverse effects. Other areas of the industry they're involved in include labeling, regulatory affairs, marketing, medical writing, among many others. They are still serving as medication experts, just in a different fashion. Pharmacists also work for government institutions such as the FDA. Here, they evaluate drug proposals, monitor on-market drugs for safety and efficacy, inspect compounding and formulation facilities, and advise pharmaceutical companies and retail pharmacies on new guidelines related to medications. Other government institutions pharmacists work for include the different branches of the military, the CDC, the VA, the NIH, Indian Health Services, state Medicaid agencies, as well as the U.S. Public Health Service and other related organizations. They work in both traditional and non-traditional roles, from compounding and dispensing to research to national emergency preparedness. Two other areas I would like to highlight are poison control and NASA. Pharmacists work in the poison control sector as toxicology experts. They work with those who have been exposed to harmful medications, household, or environmental substances. They also help provide information on drugs to law enforcement and other healthcare providers. My personal favorite place pharmacists work is NASA. As you all know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I will not go into too much detail on what pharmacists do at NASA as I wrote an entire podcast about it, but they essentially provide personalized care to the astronauts heading to space, prepare general and emergency med kits, and collaborate with scientists and engineers to learn more about drug physiology in space. With the upcoming Artemis missions, hopefully NASA pharmacists can come up with a solution to the shelf life and UV radiation problem currently plaguing medications in space for long periods of time. Maybe astropharmacy will become another specialization that the Board of Pharmacy certifies in the not too distant future. Wherever pharmacists work, their core mission remains the same. They use their medication expertise to provide insight to their patients and monitor for adverse reactions. They come up with new treatment options based on their patients' lifestyle to improve their lives. And they are more than just a lab coat behind a counter. I am not a medical professional, so please consult your primary care physician for advice if you were intrigued by anything you heard today. I do all my own research and my sources are linked in the description. So please, give all those scientists your love. The intro music was done by Cooper Wood and the artwork was done by me. You can follow me on Twitter at CP underscore capital with Emma Ives and Instagram at, at chill Pill with Emma Ives. Thanks for listening to Chill Pill and remember, be kind and wear a mask.